Stonebridge is super great, but it's uh, sometimes a little overwhelming. We have 10 services this weekend, so I don't know a lot of people here. I know a lot of people, but I don't know everybody. And uh, so like Friday, I took my grandkids to the Lincoln Children's Zoo, which is awesome because it's really little and there are no hills. You basically can get that covered in about an hour and, uh, and, and ride the train and, you know, so it's pretty, it's a great zoo. I pull in there at 10 o'clock in the morning when it opens up and so it's just, you know, it's a little place and there's this parking spot that looks awesome because it's in the shade and I think, okay, that's cool. But there's a lady standing in the parking lot, my, in the parking spot and I figure she just probably just got out of her car just standing there for some reason and uh, so I pull in to go into my parking spot and she doesn't move and she just kind of smiles like I'm saving this there's like 85 parking spots here so this is the children's zoo in Lincoln it's not Henry Dorley and like oh I kind of waved like okay so then I'm walking around the zoo and this same lady comes up to me uh, in the zoo and says this hi Pastor Mark I go to Stonebridge. Uh, yeah. I need to go pray now. <laughs> Some bad thoughts. I hope she's here at church today and family and all that stuff. Appreciate that. But it's, I just don't know. I don't know who these people are most of the time. Uh, in fact, on fr- uh, a week ago, I went out to Fremont and was going to the, go to the Splash event. We had rented out the Splash Park in Fremont. And I went early so I could have some barbecue at Baby Huey's, which is a little spot. It's a great little barbecue place in Fremont. And I get out of my car or my truck, and, and this family waves at me. These guys are, like, waving. I wave back. And I, oh, they must be here for the Splash event. You know, like, this is great. And so I go in and order my food. They're right behind me. We're kind of like, hey, are you here for the Splash event? No, but, you know, it's like, oh, like, really? And like, oh, okay. It's not making any sense to me. And so I go sit down. There's not a lot of tables in Baby Huey's. And so I sit down and I thought, well, maybe I should just invite them to eat with me because how awkward would this be if I just ate and totally blew off people from Stonebridge? So I go up and say, hey, would you like to eat? And, and the gal says, yeah, I'd love to eat. Let's, well, yeah, we'll join you. And I'm like, okay, sweet. So their seven-year-old comes, sits down and says this to me. Uh, Do you like flying helicopters? Uh, no, I don't fly helicopters. He says, oh, you don't? My dad says you fly helicopters. <laughs> no, I don't fly helicopters. And it's not connecting at all. I just thought he was a goofy kid or whatever, you know. And so dad sits down, and we start talking. He goes, hey, are you still with LifeLight? And I'm like, no. Um, oh, you're not with them anymore? I'm like, no. Um, so are you still flying no. I said, I'm a pastor. He just looks at me like, what? You look just like my friend who's a pilot for this lifelike company. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fireman in Papillion. And like, huh. So I literally had dinner with people I did not know. Because like, they were like, I'm going to move over to this table now. I said, well, I'm here in town for uh, a splash event our church is doing. And, and so and this is what she says to me. She's like, we're, kind of, we're looking for a church. And I said, well, where do you live? She said, we live in Papillion. I said, well, I know a great church in Millard. 
It's fairly close to you. I know some other great churches in your neck of the woods and uh, gave them the names of other churches that I'm familiar with. And, and ever so often you would just have those moments, right, where it's kind of obvious that this is divine. This is a divine appointment. This is supposed to happen. And uh, it was just great. Uh, when I read the Bible, I tend to think, oh, I wish I'd have been there. Right? You ever think, oh, I wish I'd have been there. Like when Peter's walking on the water, I'm just like, I wish I'd have been him. Like if totally loved to have walked on water. That would so awesome. Or like the Red Sea is parting and you're like, oh. Like, and you go over there to stick your finger in there and like, your mom's yelling at you, don't touch it. You know, like, but that wouldn't have been like mind-blowing stuff that was just crazy. Or when Jesus turns water into wine, how awesome a party is that? Like you, like it's unlimited. Okay, and it's like now I don't know. Some of you may not want Jesus at your birthday or wedding party or whatever. You like, but he does bring some good gifts. So this one today that we're going to take a look at is one that you, I totally wouldn't want to be a part of. I'd want to be in that scene. I'd want to see it. I want to hear it. We're studying the life of Moses for the last uh, next several weeks, and and we got it kicked off last weekend, and so here we are in Exodus chapter three, verse one. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. Now that seems fairly simple, right? It's just I love the fact that he just says it's one day. It's one day in the life. Of Moses, it's not a it's not a holy day. It's not a it's not a holiday. It's not his birthday. It's just one day in his life. It, it, he didn't wake up thinking, "Hey, maybe today God is going to talk to me. Maybe today is the day in which I find out why I'm sucking air on the planet. Maybe today would be the day in which I get clued in from God about how I can participate in what's happening on the planet." No, it is one day in the life of a shepherd who's 80 years old and he's just going to work. He's just going to work. That's all he does. Just like you and me. We go to work every day. Not a special day. Not a holy day. Not a holiday. Not my birthday. I'm just going to work. I tend to think that God tries to get our attention all the time. On an everyday kind of thing. Not maybe at church, yes, but I tend to think that he probably really amps it up even a little bit more on a Monday morning at your work. Or on a Tuesday in your dorm room. Or a Friday night at the bar. It's just one day. One simple day. He's trying to get our attention. So he, Moses led his flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I'm, and here we go. This changes everything. This is the moment. This is what had to happen. I must go and see. If he hadn't been curious, or if he hadn't just thought, you know, because he could have said, that's cool, weird, 
but I'm busy taking care of my father-in-law's sheep, and I'm going to get in trouble if I come home with a sheep that's all messed up or a coyote shows up. I, I have to, I can't, I, I'm, too, I'm too busy for this burning bush thing. I'm just too busy. I've got priorities. I've got stuff I've got to do. And by the way, I don't want to. I don't, I'm, I'm 80 years old. I'm tired. But I must go and see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here we go. Here I am. Amazing statement. One of the greatest statements by a human being. Here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue. I have come down. God's coming down. He's getting involved. I have come down. Amazing amazing moment here to rescue them from the power of the egyptians and lead them out of egypt into their own fertile and spacious land it is a land flowing with here we go milk and honey the land where the canaanites and the hittites and the amorites and the parasites how would you like to be a parasite You're like really couldn't i at least be an amorite parasite i don't know the hivites and the jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. And this has been going on for quite some time. Moses had left when he was 40 years old. He's 80. It's a 40 year, right? So here we, this is amazing. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this will be your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship the God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of, of your ancestors has sent me, they'll ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. Now Moses probably, you know, obviously he had other dreams for his life. He had dreamed of being a king. He was in line to be the, the king of Egypt. He was the prince and he had stayed in the palace and one day he had exited the palace and he saw the abuse that was taking place to the nation of Israel and he had enough. He was going to put a stop to this. Great idea, bad execution and he killed a man and as a result of that he has to run for the hills. Everybody wants to be king, though. Maybe you can relate to this song. I'm going to be a mighty king, so enemies beware. Well, I've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair. I'm going to be the main event like, king, no, like no king was before. I'm brushing up on looking down. I'm working on my roar. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. We all want to be king. Maybe not of a nation but at least of our own castle i'm in charge but this king's dream 
or this prince's dream came to a screeching halt when he killed a man and had to go for, for, run for his life. Forty years now he's worked as a shepherd. And you've got to think, there had to be some moments when, I don't know, a little bit of what if, could, you know, might have creeped, you know, what if I had never left the palace? What if I had never killed that guy? A lot of regrets, probably. You know, Moses has a life. It's not a bad life. It's an okay life. He got married. He's got some kids. He's watching some sheep. But it certainly was not what he had been destined for or even dreamed of. But he had settled into a nice little life in a nice little spot, and nobody really hassled him or bothered him. And occasionally there was a coyote, or maybe there was, you know, maybe there was a sheep that just got wandering off. But, but basically, he, every single day he took some sheep out, and they got him some grass and some water. That's his life. That's all he had. He, had, he was supposed to be the prince of Egypt. And here's Moses, a man who had failed God, killed a man. He was going to die a shepherd. It was an ordinary day and an ordinary life of an ordinary person. And out of that day came an amazing moment. The defining moment in his life, he sees a bush that is burning, but it's not burning, right? So it's on fire, but it's not on fire. And so he goes over and looks. Crazy stuff. What if he hadn't gone and looked? All the time, God is trying to get our attention. He doesn't use a burning bush anymore. I, as far as we know, that happened once. It would be nice. If, I think it would be awesome if, like, you know, we leave here today and we go, oh, look at that. It's a bush on fire. Hmm. I'm going to go over there. I want you to witness to your friends today. All right. You know, or I want you to, you know, whatever it is, because we would love, I would love a burning bush. It'd be great. Hey, I want you to do this with your life. Okay, thank you. I mean, how many, we all would like, I want to know what God wants me to do. A bush would be great. Now, for some of us, we would see the burning bush and do what? Try to put it out. I don't want to hear from God today. No, thank you. Or just walk away. We got a busy life. Or we might even think this. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's for me. Pretty sure that's for a holy person, a spiritual person, a godly person. I'm a murderer. I'm a problem. I've got some past. I'm out. That's cool, but I'm out. I have some people occasionally ask me, how do I know if, it, if, what, how do I know if I'm supposed to do this for God? Well... I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Here's what I would tell you to do. Go and look at the bush. Just at least go over there. You have to go in and look. If you're feeling like God is calling you or asking you or prompting you to do something, don't just blow that off. If a pastor comes up and says, hey, would you consider helping with our middle school ministry? That is your moment, right? You can just like, mm, I'm putting it out. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. I don't think I should. Or you have to go at least and look. If you go to a CIY conference and you hear something from God that's telling you, I want you to go into full-time Christian ministry, you better go look. Don't just blow that off and go, I don't think that was for me. That's probably my friend next to me. You should totally be doing that. You should totally be doing that. You should be doing it. I, don't th I think I heard him, but I'm, put, I, I'm, I'm, 
I got a, I got other th- dreams. I got other dreams. By the way, if you blow those things off, those conversations that, that God has with you, I think it will haunt you. It's not too late to change course, by the way. Maybe you even had that calling in your heart when you were a young kid and you went to a church camp and you really got convicted in that moment in which you had, in fact, you even said yes to God when He said, I want you to be a missionary somewhere. And you said, I want to do that. And then for whatever reason, course changed. And just like Moses, your course changed. And it could be some missteps that, or bad stuff that happened in your past. It could just be busyness of life. But now you kind of go, I think I'm still supposed to do that. I totally think you're supposed to do that. If God has called you, you can, you can still do that. Even if you're 80 years old. Now the 80 year old people here today are going, "Mm, I'm too stinking old to teach middle school kids. That's for sure. Hmm. I don't know. They would if if they were your grandkids. All right. So Moses goes and looks. And in that moment, everything changes. But this is crazy, right? It's a burning bush moment. And here's what, here's what, ha- here's what Moses does. Mo- verse 11, Moses protested to God. Not to a pastor, not to some leader in a church. He is literally protesting to God. <laughs> what? Again, because we'd all like, I want the burning bush and I'll totally do what he says. Okay, sure. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? I'm a beaten down shepherd who killed a guy. Who am I? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I like the idea. I think somebody totally should do this. I understand that. I, I wanted to 40 years ago, but I totally blew it. Somebody should do this. Maybe I could have one time, but not now. Verse 12 says, uh, here's God's answer to Moses' protesting. I will be with you. My presence with you should be enough. In fact, it's more than enough. My presence alone with you, I'm going to be with you. I know you don't want to go. I know you feel like you totally blew it, but I will be with you. It's the same conversation that that God has with a group of people who were overwhelmed by the task that was before them. Fast forward a long time. Matthew chapter 28. Here's the the New Testament. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. What? What? Let me just clue you. Here, here we go. Jesus has died and come back from the grave. Right? So this is not a burning bush. This is Jesus resurrected standing in front of him. I totally think that if Jesus, if I had seen Jesus, I hope this would be true. I'm not sure. But if, if Jesus had died, my friend had died on a cross, they put him in a tomb, sealed it up, and then a few days later he's walking around talking, I would do whatever he tells me to do. Right? I wouldn't even have to doubt about that. I mean, it's right there in front of me. But check this out. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. These are the disciples! I think at that moment, Jesus is like, oh boy, what do I have to do now for you to believe in me? I came back from the grave. This is what I got to work with? All right. So if you have some doubts, you're in good company. It's okay. It truly is. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. No kidding. Therefore, since I have all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I will be with you. My presence alone is enough for you. I know this task is greater than, right? But totally going to be with you always, even to the very end of the age. You don't have to worry a thing about it. I will always be with you. Yeah, but uh, you want us to do what? I want you to go. I want you to go and bring deliverance for people all over the planet that need a Savior. Ah, we're just a bunch of goofballs here that not even sure this is real or not. I'll be with you. By the way, that's that burning bush moment was for Moses. And, but this moment right now, for when the disciples are hearing this, it's not for just them. It's for you and me. The same thing that he tells the disciples is he's telling you and me to do today. He's, you know, I, I want you to go all, into all the world. And I, I, where, so we can go, uh, I don't know. It seems kind of like something a pastor is supposed to do. They should totally go into all the world. I'm not one of those guys. All right. Huh. This is for everyone. You know, when we announced that uh, we were opening up a, a, a campus in Millard, here's what I heard from many people. I think I'm supposed to do that. When we opened up a campus in Fremont, here's what I heard from people. I think I'm supposed to do that. My guess is that when we announce that we're going to another spot in Nebraska, people will say, I think I'm supposed to do that. And my answer to you would be, you need to at least go and look at that. I really, truly believe that that is God tugging at your heart. In fact, when we say, hey, we're, 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 we're going to go to Ecuador this year, and we're going to go to India next year, and we're going to go to Mexico next year, some of you are thinking, I think I'm supposed to do that. And when we make announcements that, hey, we, we're looking for a few more people to help us in our uh, Kidmin program, and we, we sure, sure could use some help with uh, uh, inflatable games at a... Uh, at a fireworks bonanzas I, I hope some of you are thinking I think I'm supposed to do that it's just God calling on your heart and it might be as simple as this it's an ordinary day in your life you went to work one of the people that you work with is going through a rough go 
And you might be hearing God say, you know what, you should invite him to church. You can try to put that out if you want. What would I even say? What if they asked me putting the bush out? Or you go over and look and you hear the voice of God calling your name and say, I could sure use some help. See, what we learn here about God is that God answers prayers. And he hears the prayers of people who are crying out. And he answers that prayer through a person. He answers prayers through a person. So that when a, uh, a wife is praying for somebody, please help my husband come to faith in Christ. And I've tried and I've begged and I've asked, but it's not working Uh, maybe somebody at work will invite him to church. And you get a little prompting to do that, and he's like, invite your friend to come to church with you. You are the answer to her prayer. You're the answer to her prayer. Well, can't you just just do that, Jesus? Or something, do something, snap it, figure it out. Nope, I'm going to pray and I'm going to work through a person. That's simple. The reason perhaps that you are here today is because somebody prayed. Somebody decided to teach a Sunday school class or go on a CIY trip or greet at the door of a church and just happened. Well, how do I know if God is calling my name? Here's how you know. You won't want to do what he asks you to do. You just won't want to do it. No, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do something else. I truly did not want to be a preacher. I wanted to be a baseball player. So we wrestled with that a little while. Like every Monday. Because I wasn't smart enough or spiritual enough or rich enough or whatever excuse you might fill in the blank. I can't, God, because I can't, because I can't, because. And God just kept saying, hmm, I will be with you. 